Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Worldwide Chelsea Podcast. It's your host, Matt, back again. And I am joined once again by the trash-talking Texan, Jesters himself. How are you, my friend? But yeah, I'm doing better than last weekend. At least we have uh, something to be positive about, right? Yes, after a difficult week, um, it's, it's, it's nice to finally speak about some positivity, uh, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean... We'll get straight into it. Southampton nil, Chelsea six. Uh, a wonderful result. And for you guys that love the little stat breakdowns, I'll give you that right now. So Chelsea had 71% possession compared to Southampton's 29. Chelsea had 24 shots with 14 on target compared to Southampton's four and one on target. The one they had on target was a big chance that they missed, whereas we missed four big chances, probably all from Timo Werner. Um Chelsea made 748 passes with an 89% accuracy compared to Southampton's 291 with 75% accuracy. Chelsea attempted 15 dribbles and had 53% successes, um, whereas Southampton attempted 14 and only succeeded 21% of the time. Um, in terms of duels won, Chelsea won 67 duels compared to Southampton's 39. Chelsea made 29 tackles, 4 interceptions and 14 clearances, compared to Southampton's 18 tackles, 10 interceptions and 15 clearances. Well, Jesters, it was a, a much more positive match to speak about compared to the week we had with Brentford and Real Madrid. Yeah, we, you know, I think the, uh, the big difference was we came out with intensity. Um, and I think we lacked that against Brentford. Looks like we were just going through the motions, and, re- and really at Real Madrid, it looked like we were kind of going through the motions. Uh, I don't know if it had to do with with the team that was put out, um, on you know on both occasions. I don't know if it was Mason Mount's haircut, um, but you know, we you know we can we can take all those things into consideration. It just we played like we know we can play we you know everybody was out there flying to the ball trying to win every duel it wasn't passive it was forward looking and there are a few reasons for that um and uh, you know we can get it to, to it now or and or if you want to wait for a second to, to do some more introduction or you tell no, me you, you can get right into it i don't mind okay so first of all there was no Jorginho on the pitch that's always a positive uh, and and look at that. We didn't play slow, methodical, build-up football. We played quick, forward-looking passes, and we put six on Southampton. Not to say that Southampton is anywhere near Real Madrid's quality. Let's get that right out of the way. No, they aren't. But there are things that you can use from a game to extrapolate how that would look against the Real Madrid team that we will be facing on Tuesday. The intensity was there. Everybody was fighting for every 50-50 ball. The, the midfield option was there. Kovacic and Conte are our best pivot, our best sixth pairing, or where, however you want to say it. The best midfielder pairing we have in this team right now. It is Conte and Kovacic because Kovacic will give you the, the the ball retention with his feet. Conte is allowed a little bit more uh, of a defensive posture, um, and he doesn't have to protect anybody. So whenever whenever Jorginho is on the pitch, you always have to worry about even with a back three. Oh, is somebody going to drop near near Co- near Jorginho to uh, to cover him? We don't have to do that with Conte. You don't have to do that with Kovacic. They can just go. Uh, additionally, having Ruben uh, out playing uh, the right wing back, which is, again, I'm going to remind everybody, are really midfielders in this formation with defensive responsibilities. Um, so that was awesome. Uh, having a left-footed uh, left wing back, even though it was Marcus Alonso, um, really helped as well. Because we didn't have to worry about somebody cut, cutting in on his on his right all the time, or worry about if we if we were going to have the width. The next thing, when you go further up, is 
the fact that Mott was given a free roll to drop in, and it was basically a 3-4-1-2. Yes, Mount came to the right most, most of the time, but he was given free reign, and so were the, the front two to move, to interchange positions. You know, there's times you saw Kai Havertz on the right, Kai Havertz on the left, Kai Havertz down the middle. Same with Timo, same with Mount. It just, when they were in the, that position, they just stayed. If one was more centrally, they just, they just stayed because it was fluid. And when you do that, you give the other team in defense headaches because they're used to, okay, I'm going to mark this guy. And you get used to how that guy is going to, you know, the runs that they make, the speed they have. But when you have a different guy coming over there every once in a while, you're like, okay, now I got to go from Timo to Kai Havertz to, to Mason Mount. Uh, which guy do I follow? Do I stay in my zone or do I follow the play on foot to mark? What do you do? And so when you can put a little bit of a seed of doubt in the defensive player's mind, it gives you the edge, gives you an extra step. And that's what we saw. And those things you can take forward to Real Madrid. Not to say we're going to oh, go put six on Real Madrid. Uh, that's not, I don't foresee that happening. Do we have the talent to do that? Of course. Will we do that? No. It's just not feasible to think you're going to do that in front of Bayo. Uh, I just... It was it was it was nice tactical adjustments. It was nice to see the hunger from the team again, and it was nice not to see Jorginho on the pitch. Um, th- those things that, that I can definitely say. So, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think with with the Kante Kovacic pairing, I find that it, as you kind of said, it almost allows Kante to be a bit more defensive. Um, he's not. Where obviously where Jorginho will sit, Kante's more forced when he's played with, Jorge, with Jorginho to be the attacking one out of the number sixes. And we know that Kante is not he's not easy, he isn't the best with his passes in the final third, with his shots in the final third and just the final third in general. So it's nice that almost Kovacic can do that bit and Kante can kind of sit and do his sit a bit more, but do his usual roaming, winning the ball. Um, for the attack, so I think it's a bit more of a better balance, um, and yeah, obviously does in, uh, make the player a bit faster. I do think the way Southampton played again, that kind of brings it in a little bit that we w- would play a bit faster anyway. Um, so I think that was a little bit of a factor, but yeah, I think it was a it was a interesting result, great performance, and obviously the perfect reaction after. The week we've had, obviously, Real Madrid were just simply not good enough. Brentford was simply not good enough. Um, and you wondered whether Chelsea would go into free fall. But it looks like with this result, fingers crossed, no disaster. We should now have any sniff of people saying top four is not secured. It should be fine now. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. I mean, obviously, we've spoken a little bit about the lineup, But, obviously, before... When the lineup was announced, everyone on Twitter, as usual, going absolutely mad, saying how crap the lineup is. What? Why is Ruben playing at wing back? Why is Werner playing? Um, but obviously, it worked. Um, Jess, was it another Tuchel masterclass, or was it just a game where maybe Southampton were just not at the races? Well, you know, Tuchel likes to match his his team with the opponent, what the opponent does, or the opponent's weaknesses. And, you know, for our, you know, Hassan Hoodle likes to play the same way Klopp plays with the high line, even though he doesn't have the talent um, to do so, he still plays that way. And, so, and when it's effective, it's effective, you know. They've taken point, points, I think they've taken points off Man City, uh, maybe even Liverpool this year. Or or they were very competitive with those teams. And, you know, so when it works, it works. And today it didn't because uh, we turned up and uh, players played probably the best match they've played, I want to say this year. Kind of, I'm struggling to see a match that we, you know, remember a match we played better as a team. The As in this year, do you mean 2022 or the whole season? No, 2022. Yeah, definitely 2022. 
Got uh, the only the only game I can think back to which was better in the season was probably Juventus. Yeah. Well, but, that was with Chilwell on the team. Yeah. The, the one he got hurt in. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, in twenty twenty in calendar year twenty twenty two, this is probably the best performance we put out there from the entire team from 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 the keeper who had one save to make, which is awesome. Your keepers, I don't care who they they are, look very very good. If there's only one big attempt on on target, right? <laughs> you know, you you would uh, you would uh, again you would you would fancy your chances if your keeper only had one save to make uh, of consequence. He had others to make, but one was only was only one difficult one. Yeah. Um, to 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 the center backs who had the day off. Basically, um, to the midfielders who played out of their skin, you know, Kovacic was driving with the ball, Conte was being Conte, uh, still a little bit lax on his passes, still worried about the intensity in this play is not really there, uh, not not to the to, to the Conte standard, right? To everybody else's, every other player standard it is, but to Conte standard, he just seems to be a little bit behind. You know, just a little off, not quite there. Um, again, to the forward, to the to the all, all the attacking players played beautifully. The both wing backs. You know, you you had Ruben probably with his third game this year. He's played at wing back. If maybe I know of two. I'm thinking maybe there was a third substitute appearance. But you know, it was nice to see him play as a midfielder in that position where he got he tur- he got the ball. And he looked to turn and build play, or even sometimes he was the forward most uh, uh, attacking player on that side. And that's, you know, that's why the uh, one-two with with Mount as a 10 or a floating free position uh, and Timo and, and Kai up front, you get a lot more out of those wingbacks because they give you, um, they give you that, that width. And so for all of Marcus Alonso's faults, you know, one thing he's good at is, is offensive playing. So if you allow him to get up top and get that width, he, that's what he's best at. If you're going to get something good out of Marcus, that's how you're going to get it. Uh, if you ask him to stay back and play defense, uh, you know, you have a a better chance of, uh, you know, I don't know, buying oceanfront property in Arizona. So who, which is not possible because if for everybody who doesn't know geography, there's no ocean. So, it's just, yeah, they, I think it was set up right. We got the best out of the players that were out there. Um, and even Timo looked like uh, Leipzig Timo for the first time this year, probably. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we can get into the banter part of that here in a minute. But we'll start off with a little bit of positivity. The team was beautiful. They played well. And uh, so... You have to give everybody who played props, whether that they're your your player that you support or any other player that you support wasn't out there. Hey, it is what it is. They were uh, they played well, so our hats, my hats off to each and every one of them. You know, even though Timo is not my favorite player, um, Leipzig Timo is, but Chelsea Timo hasn't been that. But uh, yeah, it was nice to see. It was refreshing, and then again, it does does something good for their psyche. You know, a, a Timo Werner, if you had to call him in, a Ruben had a good game. If you need to call him in to do something, uh, because we don't, we know that that Dave is not going to be there. Uh, he's he tested positive for COVID, so I don't think he's going to be going to Spain. So you know, Ruben's going to be the wing back on that side as a backup. I would I would think that RJ would come in and start. So that's po- that's the positive parts of, of everybody in general. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a it was it was typical one of them two cool lineups you look at and you go, oh, I can see what he's trying to do there. Let's see if it works. Um, and obviously after the last two games, I was like, okay, we do we did need some sort of changes, uh, and maybe it could work and. To be fair, it did work. I think it worked very well. I think 
certain players that played. I think they they do very well against Southampton. Um, arguably, one of their only good performances is against Southampton or Liverpool. Uh, but we'll get into that right now. Um, obviously, Timo Werner, um, two goals. Could have had about four more if he was a clinical striker. But you, I mean, get Timo just getting a goal that straight away above the expectations of what I expect from Timo. So there you go. Um, obviously, a lot of fans online suddenly now coming back and saying, "Oh, we shouldn't sell him. This is the Timo we've been looking for." Um, obviously, is one of my one of one of the the other panellists um, said before, this is the closest thing you're going to get to a high-line high Bundesliga defence. Uh, so maybe that was Timo Werner, Bundesliga in full force. Um, Jessa, should we be a bit reserved about this good Timo performance or should we be excited? Well, I, when it, I, I think you should be excited that that when it's called upon in this game, he, he did come in and perform. You have to take, tip his cap. He's always going to be Timo Werner. He's always going to be that guy. Look, I, I tweeted during the game. He 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 got he he did the Woody, the first annual Woody Award. He hit both posts and the crossbar. I mean, I that that is difficult to do in one game. Uh, he 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 actually, bar the the tap in, you know, the goal he scored before that. Was probably the most difficult goal to score, you know, going around the the keeper and being able to cut it back and put it in the goal. That's not easy. That's that's a difficult technique. Um, but he couldn't hit a three yard header, right? So it's it's it it you know it's a typical Timo performance where there's enough there you can banter him, and it's wonderful to do, but. You know, two, two goals. He was involved with a lot of good things on offense. I mean, you know, you just you saw the, the you know Kai Havertz goal. Where he played that beautiful um, uh, bank shot. You know, the bank the bank assist. That was wonderful, right? He meant to do that all the the whole way, or didn't he? Bank it off the post, right to Kai Havertz. He meant to do that. Definitely, of course. <laughs> you know, like I said, that those goals. That's a sitter to me. You dribble across, the goalie's nowhere to be seen. You hit the post. I mean, luckily Kai's there to finish it and put it in the back of the net. But it's it. He is a, cha- a volume guy. If you give him enough chances, he will eventually put one in the back of the net. You just that has to be the focal point of your offense. So uh, the the you know the breakaway goal he got was an error from. From James Ward-Prowse, um, headed it backwards, and and Timo still has speed. He's going to beat you in a foot race, especially if it's Bednarik. And like I said, rounds the keeper nicely, slotted it in. But uh, yeah, he really has to be doing better if you if you're looking at keeping him in the squad. Uh, he should have had a hat trick, and maybe four goals. You know, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I think I think it's. I, I kind of sum it up as it is that typical team of performance against that team that you kind of almost tactically you'd expect him to get more joy. Um, and unfortunately, not enough teams outside of Southampton, Liverpool, play like that. So it's hard to get kind of that joy for Timo. Um, I still think should a, a Bundesliga club come in the summer, I think it would be best to get rid of him bring in someone else that may be more suited to the Premier League. Uh, it's not a criticism on him because I think he'll go back to the Bundesliga and I think he'll do quite well. Um, that doesn't mean we'll need to say in 12 months' time, oh, we should have never have got rid of Timo Werner because you can imagine that's going to be the Twitter conversations that happen for the next two years if that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, credit to his performance. Um, obviously, I, I'm i not sure. I, don't, I, I probably wouldn't start him against Real Madrid, but we'll kind of get into that in a little bit um but yeah credit to him in his performance could have scored a few more but at the end of the day we got six so i, I don't think we can complain too much about not scoring enough um from that i mean another player that in that attack that also had a decent performance and a new haircut mason mount um actually did make a comment uh at the end of the game saying that his long hair was getting in his eyes too much 
um, and that's why he cut his hair and suddenly he pulls out a good performance. Um, Jesters, what, what, do, what do you think of that comment, first of all, and what do you think of Mason Mount's performance overall? Yeah, I, I, uh, it means he's aware of the uh, hair compilations that were going around. Uh, look, it's, it's something to banter a player when they don't play well. But I really think that Mount is suited deeper in the formation than than where he's being played. And he's been respectable playing out of position, and he is being played out of position most of the times because we basically play with a striker and two two inside forwards, right? It's not based on width. You know, wingbacks are supposed to give you width. So if you want to call them cams, you can. They're really inside forwards, and that's not Mason Mount. Um, allowing him to take a deeper role, help with build-up play, and have things in front of him, it really suits him very, very well. It it really does. And uh, when he when he's playing like that, and he's taking shots from outside the box, and he's a different player when he's when he's allowed to. When he's allowed the space, he's allowed to move. He's allowed the freedom to to find the the open areas in the pitch. He's very effective, and it does help our midfield as well because when we're out of possession, he drops in to make a midfield three. Uh, so the one, you know, the, the three four one two is is probably suits us the best if we're looking at it um, than the. Uh, than the than the two one because uh, it does give Mason it puts Mason in more of a, a natural position for him. Yeah, I definitely think that that sort of formation does suit Mason. I think it is probably the best position we can put him in for now until I think we go to a four at the back. Um, obviously, that will not probably not happen again this season. Uh, and shouldn't happen until we get a DM, if we ever get a DM, because I, I still have the uh, worry that we'll go another season without replacing Nemanja Matic properly. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes in the summer. Um, I, we know the Matt. We know the guy that we both want. Um, I don't think we're going to get him now. I think that is more unlikely than likely now, which is unfortunate. And whoever didn't get him last summer should uh, face some consequences on the board. But there you go. Um, or the scouting, whatever, whoever's fault it was. But yeah, I think Mason played quite well. Um, I think generally why I've kind of not been so critical on him as much. Obviously, I have been a bit critical this season, but constructively, obviously, not abusing or anything. Um, but obviously, because he's out of position the whole time, and I understand that, that's that's where obviously I'm a bit more sympathetic and I'm not going to give him a big moan. Uh, whereas I've given, I've given obviously other players a bit more of a moan than him. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I worry when we're playing, obviously when you, when you don't have a Werner and a Havertz or a Lukaku and a Havertz of Lukaku, Werner, I suppose Pulisic can play a bit more forward as one of them almost striker roles, wide strikers. Um, obviously, I feel Ziyech wouldn't fit that. So, obviously, I feel when Ziyech plays, we'd revert back to the 4 3 4 2 1. Um, but yeah, that's something with Tuchel to still try and figure out. Um, it's unfortunate that you can't settle down on a lineup, but hopefully, next season, as we said, we can settle on a much more settled lineup and actually have some good performances and a good season um, in terms of league form. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think as well with the with the whole hair issue, there is a thing called a hairband. I know it. I'm, I know it makes footballers look like prats sometimes, especially Grealish. But if you want to have your long hair and it is getting in your eyes, isn't that just a simple solution? Or am, am I being a bit thick? <laughs> well, he doesn't have the luscious uh, blonde locks like Grealish and, and Gallagher, no, right? Uh, that's why, although that's why, even if that's, even if Grealish cut his hair, he'd still be a prat. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's one thing in the Gallagher Mount debate that 
Gallagher's l- luscious blonde hair is is one of the positives and putting him in the number eight position. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. And we'll move on to another player that almost we've, we've kind of moved on. We've, we've talk, talked about Werner, we want, we want to get rid of in the summer. And now we're going to talk about Alonso. Obviously, another goal, um, the usual Marcus Alonso goal. Uh, we'll give him credit for that. And another, again, another decent performance. Um, in terms of that left wing back position, obviously, we we do want him to go in the summer. He's not good enough for Chelsea, but is he the best in that position right now? And should we just stick with him to the end of the season in that position rather than keep trying out players like Sal and um, Aspi or whoever, Saar, Kennedy, whoever else you want to flick in that position? Well, I mean, it is unfortunate, but probably, um, probably is. I mean, that's unfortunate to say for a team with the expectations that we had, but uh, he he isn't good enough to play for Chelsea Football Club anymore. You know, even average players or sub-average players have a decent game every once in a while. I think I heard that this is the first goal he scored in the Prem since the opening day or the beginning of the season. Well, I'm actually that surprised if, that, if that's true. I'm actually quite surprised. Well, and and again, it's just one of those things. He'll ha- he'll have a good game every once in a while against certain opposition. Um, but unfortunately, you you know we he's the only player that's used to playing the left wing back position. I don't want to see a, a day play there anymore. Don't want because he's too slow. He's too plodding. And, you know, he's always going to want to cut back on the right foot. And you can't have an inverted uh, left forward that's always going to come in on his right foot and a left wing back that wants to come on his right foot. That gives you no width. gives you zero width on that side of the pitch. Um, And it it really shrinks the the field. Uh, I made the comment today. I was watching, of course, everybody's watching the Liverpool City game. And Phil Foden, left footer, playing uh, left wing. Imagine that. And it worked very well uh, because it, it expands the, the field of play because he doesn't have to cut inside. He can go byline and put a cross across the uh, face of the goal. So, uh, you know, when you're playing in a winger system, the wingers give you the width. and the wingback system, the wingbacks give you the width. So you want to have the natural foot on the side they're playing. So uh, it's un- as fortunate as it is, uh, yeah, it's going to have to be uh, Marcus Alonso. And if not him, it, then it needs to be uh, Saul or Kennedy, who probably has not been impressing. That's why he hasn't been anywhere near starting. But uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that we're in that position, but that's again uh, the board focusing on buying a hundred million pounds sack of potatoes instead of uh, going out and getting us the left wing back we needed, uh, the uh, DM that we needed, and the center back we needed. Um, if we had done those things, if uh, you know, if you could, if you could go back in time and buy Chiuamini, uh Kunde and a left wing back that they wanted instead of having Alonzo, instead of bringing in Lukaku, we're probably still in the Tyler race. Because um, Kai Havers has shown that he's, he's our striker going forward. Uh, there's no need to even have a Lukaku on this team. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Lukaku definitely needs to leave at the end of sum- at the, in the summer. Uh, whether we can ship him off or not is another question. Uh, hopefully we can figure out and find somewhere for him um, and then actually get this team sorted. I think what makes me laugh with this team is the exact positions we were all talking about in the summer um, were the exact positions in terms of injuries where we all suddenly started breaking down and that's where it all started going wrong. Um, so I think we all know quite well enough it is a, is a quite obvious issue and I think I get frustrated with Scout scouting system certain board members 
that don't seem to see this as a priority. Um, and then they wonder why the team's not doing well, why the manager's getting frustrated. Um, so hopefully with whatever new regime comes in, uh, we can have some sort of change, some shake-up at that level. Um, it depends on who, again, is going to come in. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that because apparently it's going to be delayed even more, which is lovely, just what we want to hear. I can't wait to get talking about normal stuff. That's why I'm not going to mention any of the new stuff because <laughs> I just can't be asked with it anymore. It's honestly depressing. Um, that's why I'd rather talk about Alonso being our first-choice wing-back because that's actually less depressing than the ownership. Really? Which is a surprise. Well, <laughs> I, I think, it's a, again, it's a tough call. but <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's like uh, being asked to pick between poop and crap. Yeah, you've got, you got to choose the less crap side. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Um, moving on to the other wing back, and obviously you mentioned... You mentioned him a little bit, obviously, Ruben. You know I was going to talk about Ruben, uh, obviously. As always, I have to find a way to add Ruben in. Um, but obviously, that right wing back played pretty well. And obviously, you've mentioned before, and I've mentioned as well, how the wing backs are midfielders. And other times, I think when he's played there, he's been okay, but not fantastic. But today was great. Um, he's played almost near enough every position possible. He's played centre back. He's played in the six. He played wing back. Uh, there's one time when he did play in the front, in the forward three as well. Um, is Ruben coming that versatile squad player that every team seems to suddenly need? Uh, I don't want to go there. Uh, I think that because uh, of his size and his accurate football. IQ, he, he, he's adept playing at multiple positions. Is that somebody that we should look to keep in the squad? No, that's, to me, that's a failure of foresight, again, from the board, that we're having to play Ruben Loftus-Cheek at, at wingback, right? Uh, and every other position he's played. Uh, you know, he's, his best position is, is as an eight. A box-to-box midfielder. Uh, he's, he's he's not a six. He doesn't have the, def- you know, it's, it's, people don't understand. It's just, yes, you could have the ability to do something. But if you're not played there, you don't have the instinctual ability to know exactly where to be at the right time. So, I, again, that's what you, that's, that's what you see lacking is sometimes he's out of position or should know that this that, that a play is being made before it's made something you see from Tiago Silva something you know it's an ability to read the game from a certain position and he doesn't have that and that's not his fault he just he hasn't played there as a professional really so um you know i think that i give him credit for for being able to be multifaceted and, and play multiple positions. God, but, you're using that word. Not that, maybe you should teach Lukaku a thing or two about being multifaceted. <laughs> I don't think, you know, Lukaku needs to lose about 50 pounds first. Um, you know, he's, I, I just don't, I don't want to speak about him. It's just, it's, there's nothing to speak about. He doesn't want to be here. He's shown it on the pitch. He's shown it. And the fact that he hasn't been able to maintain weight. And because he hasn't maintained his weight, now he's got an Achilles issue. You know, like another another uh, beloved player at this club uh, that, that, that has Achilles issues. It just, you know, there's something wrong when uh, you can't, ma- as a professional, you know, you can't even maintain a playing weight that it allows yourself to look good. And... That's part of, of getting out of this club if you don't want to be there is to keep yourself a marketable and, and, and sellable quantity and, and being overweight and not being a, not playing at your best. The clubs are looking at that and going, yeah, we'll buy them, you know, 50 million. Well, we owe more than that. You know, I think the reports are we still owe 70 to 80 million euro to uh, to enter. So. 
you know, the, the option is there to just say, okay, well, whatever we owe you, you can have him back. Right. And just take the uh, 30 to 40 million pound loss on him as a loan fee and go and go from there. Um, God, a, a very poor, that would be a very poor loan spell. Well, I mean, you know, other than PSG, who's going to pay the money for him? And even then, they're going to say, okay, we'll give you what you owe to enter. Because, of course, they owe money to enter for uh, Hakimi still. So maybe there's something you can work around to where it helps helps them pay, you know, get get Hakimi's debt off their books and our, our debt for Lukaku off the book and enter when if you can't get him back. But there's there's still talk that he's talking his his uh agent is talking to uh Inter Milan. They're having discussions. So you know it's one of those things. Which is again fine with me. We have Kai Havertz, we have Armando Brogia who 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 has shown the, the the class and talent to play as a as a striker in this league. Bring him in, uh, because as I was talking to you before before the match, or excuse me, before the match, before the podcast, um, we have a huge payroll, huge, uh, unbelievably so. And if you if you got rid of Timo and Lukaku and you know, when Saul goes back to, to Atletico and Keppa, that's $50 million a year. 50, excuse me, I say dollars because I'm an American. 50 million pounds a year saved off those players alone. And with the 70% salary cap coming into effect for FFP, you're going to have to, you're going to have to juggle uh, getting certain players and then using uh, you know what everybody loves is the academy to fill in other positions, and so you have Brogia as a as a a viable striker. You have Colliwell or Colwell on on loan that's a viable center back, um, and you have Gallagher as a viable six slash eight that's out there on loan. You bring those players back, then you go out and spend money on positions you can't fill. And that's how we're going to have to move going forward uh, because of uh, of FFP changing the 70% salary cap and the fact that we don't have a stadium that brings us a whole lot of revenue. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad way to go, if I'm honest. I mean, if you can get players in, I mean, we're not. We're, it's not like we're talking about, sorry to dig him out, the Calamads or Doys of the world that are, struggling to get into the team and not really given enough I, I feel like Conor Gallagher you look at Con- Brozier as well um whether Cole will it's a bit too early for him whether he needs another loan is another question uh that's going to be the more questionable one but they're players that are ready to step in and have a chance so it's not like they're nothing players that we're having to shoehorn in um so I think it's good in that and then we can hopefully use the rest of it to spend on players that will fit into the system because actually I find that the problem at the moment is we spend money, we're spending all the money that we do make on rubbish. Um, Sal, unfortunately, Sal and Lukaku being one of them. Uh, you look back at Conte's second season, that was 232 million of absolute rubbish. Um, apart from Giroud, we'll, we'll take Giroud out there because obviously Giroud was good for us uh, in the end he was probably the one you didn't expect to be as good uh, compared to the others but yeah I think we we, we find this we, we seem to waste money at the moment so I don't mind if we do have to not get seven or eight players in um, from the board because you know six or seven of them probably ain't even going to work um, knowing our board and there'll probably be different players to what the board manager wants whatever um, but it is what it is. I mean, um, in terms of Lukaku, I think it, it's it's okay when you have someone like Hazard who would come back from preseason a bit overweight, and then maybe after two or three weeks of the season, he's back 
to the weight he is and he keeps that all season. That's fine. I mean, you, sometimes players do have that and you prefer him not to be, but you kind of get on with it and deal with it. But to be, um, to be out of weight during the season, unless you've had a big injury where you've been out for a long while, um, such as, for example, a Chilwell, you'd expect him to maybe be a bit... Well, he's, he's not really that type of build, but you you may expect him to be a bit a few pounds over the what, he, what he'd want to be. Um, but still, it's 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 not good enough to have that. And whoever can whoever we can get rid of him to, I just I don't mind. Just get him off the get him off the wage bill. Get unfortunately get Werner off the wage bill. Get um, even even to a point Ruben. Um, as much as I love Ruben, he's on a lot of money too. Uh, you've got Kalamata Adores. We've got a lot of players. Kepa, we're on a lot of money. Um, Milan Sars on 100,000. There's there's plenty of players that we can get rid of and be probably well under that 70%. I think, am I right, just as it's three years we've got to, till this comes in? Um, yeah, but I don't know what, how far into those three years we are. Right? I think that, I think we're at least one year into it. So there might be another two years. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of a bit confusing. It's UEFA being UEFA. You can never understand well, I, what they're doing. That's why they hire. That's why they have lawyers, right? Um, but you should, you should plan going forward. And and we're lucky to be blessed with, if not the best academy, uh, the second best academy in the world. Um, so we we actually develop players who are worthy of of starting for Chelsea. That being said, not every player that comes out of the academy, uh, you know, craps gold. So I know everybody is, is, is you know, we have a lot of Cho stands in the, in the uh, fan base. This kid is 21 years old. He's been playing first team football for four years now. He is torn in Achilles and he is currently out with tendonitis in his other Achilles. So, and he's on 120 grand a week. How can you, and so that sets the bar for, for all the other academy players coming into the team and getting a, a contract renewal as well. Callum's on 120, I want 122. So you, you got to get him gone just basically on the fact that he's damaged goods. So find somebody who will give you 20, 25 million pound for him and move him on. And say, you know, have, have a nice career. Thank you for your time. You're just, you know, chuck it up to the injury if you want to and say, oh, he would have been great if he didn't have the Achilles. Fine. You still got to move him on. Because you can't have 120, uh, something like 120 20 grand a week that, that's got this, this injury history at such a young age, because it doesn't, it's not like when you get older, it gets better. It's not in the history of the world do tendon injuries or tendonitis get better with age, right? They get worse. Yeah, from my profession, as I know, they do not get easy. They they, they do not get fixed straight away, and they normally come back quite often. Um, So yeah, I I, I would probably look to get rid of him as well. Um, Whether it will happen or not is, again, another question. Um, but I think obviously with the other regulation, I don't know whether it's FIFA or UEFA, it's one of the two that are bringing in about the loan limit. That That's also, there, that's UEFA as well. Yeah, that also naturally means we have to sell the likes of back, get rid of the likes of Bakioko, Batshuayi, because we can't have too many of them out on loan anyway. So right. fingers crossed that helps bring down some of that wage budget as well. Um, and just nicely... T- makes the squad a little bit smaller so Tugel doesn't have to come back and have 60 bloody players in pre-season looking and going what the hell do I do right um but it is what it is um we'll kind of leave it there in terms of the Southampton game and general other news and we've got obviously we've got another big game to focus on um in midweek um to you guys listening it'll probably be tomorrow um to us it's Tuesday two days time um, Real Madrid, obviously, the last, as we mentioned, the last result wasn't good enough. 
we need to score two goals just to take it to extra time, three goals to win it outright in the 90 minutes. Um, Jesters, how do we approach this um, game in terms of tactics um, and how we should play it? Well, I, I saw a lot of people extrapolating what we did against Southampton to Real Madrid, like I said earlier. And it's, you, can't, you can't think that we're going to look as good as we did against Southampton, against Real Madrid. It's a different class of, uh, of uh, talent on the field and players. It's just, uh, it's just not going to happen. Different style what of play, too. Right. And what you can take away and implement, again, is the intensity in which we play, the formation we played, the uh, midfield two. Basically, what I would do is swap Reese James for Ruben Loftus-Cheek and go. I'd play the exact same formation, exact same way, with the exact same players except for Reese for Ruben. That's the only change I would make. And I know that means playing Timo Werner again, but he's going to be up against Nacho. Not, uh, not Militao. Nacho is uh, not as good as Militao. And I don't rate Militao anyway. Um, and Nacho is not as good as him. And I think if you're playing eight front two and not a, not a, a two one, but a one two with Mauri again playing that 10 floating role, your best bet is with Timo because Timo is a striker. He has a striker type of movement and instinct. And playing off Kai Havertz, it, you'll, you're going to get the best that you're going to be able to get off of Timo. Um, to me, Christian is better in the 2-1 because it's more of a winger type play than playing off a striker, right, as a second striker or in, a, in appearing as a striker. Um, and if you play with this intensity, you play with this quick forward-moving play and not just try to play possession-based football, which we can't, we can't do. We have to go for it. you got to get an early goal in this game because if you can put an early goal on them, it starts putting doubt in their mind, and if you, if, you, if you play with this intensity, they are the older team. Their midfield will get leggy. Their defenders will get leggy. And then you're worried, then you're starting, then you'll start to impose what you want to do on them. And then if you bring Timo off and you bring Christian on with a leggy defense and let him be fresh and do the little touches around the box, you're going to end up with either him scoring or him being taken down in the box for a penalty. And then you have a chance of, of evening the game up. And the longer the game goes, the, you know, the more in favor for us it's going to be because, again, they're older. They have older legs. Even though we've played more matches, you know, Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, uh, Alaba's not a spring chicken. Uh, Mendy's not a spring ch- chicken. Carvajal, Nacho, Benzema, um, they're all, you know, getting on toward the end of their careers. And if you play intense 90-minute football, their their legs will be gone. And then you're talking about a whole different thing in extra time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I get what you mean with in terms of Timo Werner my my worry about that would just be that obviously with Real Madrid having a two goal advantage there isn't a need for them to push up and press as high um they could simply just sit back and be a bit more defensive and would you do you think that would almost negate Timo Werner a little bit and almost be better for someone else to come in or do you think that's just something we'll just have to deal with? Well, again, it's it's about. Um, I think some of that is is a little bit of a misnomer um, that he can't play against somebody. First of all, Real is not going to sit back. If anything else, they'll be looking to counter. Um, they just they play on the front foot, and if you play on the front foot all the time, it's very difficult then to. Stop doing that because your instinct is and, and you're, you're drilled to, to play 
with the ball and go forward. Uh, so they're not going to play like Burnley, per se. Um, they'll probably keep they'll keep their shape. They'll want to. Uh, they'll want to uh, maybe make us play wider than nar- more narrow. But when you have when you're playing in a front two, that means you're matched up against Nacho and Alaba. And I will take Kai Havertz and Timo Werner over uh, winning a major, at least making chances against Nacho and Alaba, because Alaba is not really a center back, and Nacho is not even a starting center back. So um, I think that hit that Timo's pace, if he can stay onside, if he can't, if he can, he if he can. Uh, not be Raheem Sterling for a day. Um, you know, I think that he, he'll have chances. Now, whether he puts those chances away, you know, flip a coin. That's, that's all I can tell you about that. Um, but I think even against how Real is going to play, the Timo can be effective, but you can't stick him out wide or in a, in a 2-1 mask him to, to beat people at with his feet because he's the type of person that needs to receive the ball, couple touches, shot on target. You can't have him try to dribble around people because he doesn't have that tech in his locker. It's just not him. So um, it will work if you play him in a in a one two. If you're going to play a two one, you you're going to go you're going to start the same front three and Havertz, uh, Mount, and Pulisic that you started in the first game. But you need to have Conte and Kovacic in the midfield. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do get your point. I think it obviously it could work. Um, I do get the point about now you say it with Alaba Nacho not being the most stable defensive pairing. Um, that could work in our favour. Um, I, I was going to say I would go with Pulisic, Mount, Havertz, obviously with the same lineup as you. Uh, outside of Timo, but I, I, do you know what? you've actually changed my mind, and I'm actually going to go with the same lineup. Uh, it's not often people change my mind when I've got a lineup in my head. I've got a lineup in my head, but well done to you, Jesters, for doing that. Um, the one last thing to go through is score predictions. Um, Jesters, my question to you is: Are we going to survive this tie, or are we going to go out in misery? Well. Common sense would say that we 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 would uh, win the match but lose the tie, right? It might be something like two one in the match, but of course that doesn't put you through. Uh, I can see a scenario where we do get through, and again, that's going to all depend on getting that early goal in the match. If you can do that, in the say the first, you know, usually in the first fifteen minutes of the game, we come out. And it's kind of, you know, sit back, lollygag, let let the other team do what they're going to do. And then, boom, we take possession over, and it's just a grind thing. We need to be on the front foot from the kickoff, like we were against Southampton. Again, I'm not saying they're the same team, but that doesn't mean you can't play with that intensity, with the pressing, with the playing on the front foot, forward passes, cutting edge passes, move the ball quick. And, and see what you can get. You get an early goal, and it's 3-2 on aggregate. Now they, that, that's squeaky bum time for them. Now they're, they're, they're having to, 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 to match our intensity. And again, they have older legs on the pitch. It's going to be harder for them to, to match that intensity over 90 minutes. You get that early goal. Maybe you get somebody uh, in, in trouble with the, with the yellow. You know, Casemiro likes to get those yellow cards. You can see that from when you're when the center bias getting a yellow, and then then they're they're really uh, underneath the cosh because you've got somebody that can't can't go into a challenge because they might get sent off, um, and they're thinking, oh no, you know, this is not the Chelsea side we faced at Stanford Bridge, so there is a chance that we can do this in normal time. With a three nil score score line. 
If we score early, I think it's going to be 3-0. We'll win, and we'll win the top. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a bit positive and then ultimately negative. I think we're going to win 2-0. We're going to go to extra time. We're going to go to penalties. And then it's just going to be the most Chelsea thing to do all that and then lose the penalties. Um, Does does Kepa come on? I think he keeps Mendy on. I think after Carabao Cup, I think Tuchel may be a bit cautious of putting Kepa on. I think he puts Mendy on. I don't don't think it's going to be Mendy's fault. I just think we're not going to win the penalty shootout. And to be honest, if that happens, I would just say it is what it is. We've got, we kind of overturned that first leg in a way to get to penalties and Sometimes with penalties, it is just the luck of the draw. Who's right on the day, who's wrong on the day. So if that happens, it is what it is. Um, but I, I hope your prediction is correct and I'm wrong once again. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, we do have the FA Cup semi-final against Palace also on Saturday. Fingers crossed I may be able to get a last-minute ticket for that and go to Wembley for the first time. Um, which will be good. Um, but what what would be your prediction for that? For Crystal Palace? Yes. Well, you know they got they have no Chelsea Loneys playing that game, and and we know we know from AFTV that's the deciding factor, right? Chelsea Loneys. Uh get to that little banter in there. You know we. Uh, sure, sure. With that. You'd think would you'd think we'd do it better and actually try and win the league with it. If right. we were gonna do it, we'd do it properly, not do it a little bit and then only get third. Right. Uh it, you know, it's again excuses being made for bad manager and a bad team. Um so for me, yeah, I think we do palace. I think it's gonna be a a two nil with pal I think I'd you know, Zaha is easily easily frustrated, and if you frustrate Zaha, he's he's the more likely to get get uh, get the red red during the game. Uh, he he he's been known to do, lose his head. I just they're a good team, but they're without uh, Connor Gallagher in there. I think they're m- much more easily broke uh, beaten, and, and it's much easy to play against them without him in the team. And I know that Mitchell came off today with a, with a niggle. So they don't have Tariq Mitchell playing left, left, uh, left wing or left back. They'll be pretty easy to get at. And so I know it's two big games, but there's no reason that we, uh, we can't, we can't win both of them and be in the FA cup final. And on to the next round of uh, the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, that that would be a great end to what's been a weird couple of weeks for Chelsea. Um, I also think we're going to get through to the final, uh, which would be the third FA Cup final in a row. You'd think three times being in the final, you'd be able to win it. But it's a Chelsea thing, so knowing us, we'll, bot- we'll bottle it again. Uh, although at least it will be against a credible opposition this time. Um, but there you go. I, I, I do. I think Palace will score, but I think we'll, it will be a consolation goal, and I think we'll be, we'll, we, we will be, in, the tie would have been done by that point. So I think it's going to be Chelsea three, Palace one. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, as you as you said, we get through to the Champions League semi final, and we get through to the FA Cup final, which will be very frustrating if we play City in both of them. That would be a little bit. Uh, I, I I wouldn't like to play City in both of them. That would annoy me a little bit. But as you said, you got to play the best teams. So we'll see for that. Um, yeah, City's easy to play against. Teeters never prosper. Yeah. Well, well, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool are cheats as well. So hopefully, in terms of uh, oh, the Carabao Cup final. So. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Uh, uh, their Spiegel's article that just that came out. Oh, the one about the. I'm talking about real cheating. Oh, yeah. Allegedly. 
the real mon- the money. Yes, we, we that is the po- important point to put allegedly because you know we don't want any lawsuits here. Well, watch else, but there you go. Um, allegedly, just to make sure, man, City don't 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 come at us. It's okay. Um, anyway, this is the end to what is another wonderful pod. Bang on an hour. Um, by the time I stop rambling, it'll be about an hour and two minutes. But there you go. Um, Jesters, thank you for coming on once again, my friends. Thank you, for, uh, as always, for having me. I'm glad to uh, be able to speak my mind unfettered. Yes, very, very much unfettered, unfiltered um, fan opinion, which we all love to have on this channel. We have a lot of different people come on um, and we will hopefully get some interesting people, particularly for the Arsenal preview. I, I, my plan is to get me and you on and then Molina and possibly one Arsenal fan. So this could be an interesting little banter session uh, when it eventually comes out, which will be great. Looking but, forward um, to it. Yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, so guys, make sure you give us a rating on both Spotify and Apple. Make sure you download the podcast, like the podcast, whatever the, the podcast application wants you to do, please do. Um, it would be much appreciated. We are one episode away from 100 episodes i don't i can't believe it um but it is what it is it's fantastic to do all these episodes for you guys i love the feedback that i get from you guys and we will continue to look to improve on the podcast um for the next 100 episodes that we eventually do Uh, a big announcement for episode 100 next week so make sure you guys stay tuned 